0: I have been blogging since the year 2005, the early part of 2005. I began my blog, my first blog, the one before the one I currently write on, on January 6th, 2005. January 6th. Known as Epiphany, the day of Epiphany, the day after the Christmas season ends. And the visit of the Magi is celebrated. A date that has been given more infamous connotations in more recent times. I have been blogging for over 18 years. My blogging career, such as it is, if it can be called that, is old enough to vote. That is how long I have been blogging. My blogging career, such as it is, is about to graduate high school, or maybe it already has. I don't know. I'm not gonna be that precise about it. Nevertheless, the point is I have been blogging for a very long time. I started my blogging career, such as it is, near the tail end, I think, or maybe at the midpoint. I don't know. I don't I don't have exact dates for this kind of thing, handy, but, it was it was in the midst of somewhere somewhere in the midst of blogging's heyday, the time when everyone was blogging. And at this point, it's been over two minutes. And if you're wondering what a blog is, blog is short for weblog, just a shortened version of that. Where you basically it's a place where you write online you log your thoughts or your activities or your musings so i decided i would start a blog because after all pretty much everyone else had a blog i didn't know what i was going to do with it i didn't know how long it was going to last i didn't i didn't know what i was doing at all but eventually, eventually I settled into a groove. Not too long before I started my first blog, I had also started at my first pastorate. And so it became very natural for me to process some of my experiences about those early years. And then also I would process my experiences of various media I was consuming. I started pretty much from the very beginning to talk about what books I was reading and movies and TV shows I was watching and music that I was hearing eventually giving rise to the pop culture roundup which you are familiar with if you are subscribed to my newsletter and if you're not Well, now is the perfect time to do that. But, nevertheless, uh, the longer that I blogged myself, the more aware I became of the blogs that other people were writing. And some of this was just, I I would find blogs that that interested me, that, that wrote about subject matter, that that I wanted to read more about. For others, I was taken in primarily, or, or first, the first impression I got was how well the blogger wrote. Some had common interests, some were, well, many of them were also fellow clergy, and so I was interested in one's own experiences that maybe they could somehow inform my own. And after a while, I developed some favorites. And even after the heyday was beginning to wane, was beginning to pass, these blogs were ones to which I continued to gravitate. As others fell away, these were the ones that I continued to visit no matter what, for my own inspiration, for my own curiosity, for my own appreciation. Uh, sadly, not all of these favorites of mine are still around, but I think I, can, I still draw influence from them even now. So here's my top five, my top five all-time favorite blogs, and these are in no real ranked order. These are in no real referential order. I'm actually building to a point, so they have to be in a certain order that is not necessarily ranking, but that's neither here nor there. You'll, you'll get it when I, when I get to that point. Nevertheless my top 5 favorite blogs number 5 the rev gal blog pals this was actually a web ring a ring of blogs of clergy women processing their unique experiences in the field supporting one another and navigating among themselves but also also allowing their non-woman colleagues to offer support to join in and to to be supportive and i was one of those that's that's where the pals comes from in the revgal blog pals name they self-published a few books the second of which an ordinary time devotional i was actually privileged to contribute A few entries too. So I appreciate them for that reason. Very recently, the Revgal Blog Pals decided to disband. They had built up into a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and they were going very strong for a while. And then, as the winds of change blew, they discerned it was time to bid a fond farewell and make a good ending to what they had done for so long. Number four, A Church for Starving Artists. Written by Presbyterian minister Jan Edmiston. She writes almost every day. She's still going strong. She muses about church life and ministry and all of the ins and outs and ups and downs that that brings. Particularly, she has long been interested in how churches may adapt in response to new realities in creative and new and daring ways, not just doing the same old, same old in a slightly different way. No, she is interested in reinvention and allowing certain things to die if necessary. Like I said, Jan is still going strong and I continue to go strong as an appreciative reader. Continuing. Number three, internet monk. Monk. Michael Spencer was a minister and teacher serving at a private Baptist Christian school in Kentucky. And he wrote daily, sometimes several times a day, at length about a wide range of issues related to christianity in particular evangelical christianity the 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 term exvangelical has popped up has become fashionable in recent years michael was an exvangelical before that term existed he actually coined a similar term post evangelical he was navigating and critiquing the Ins and Outs of Evangelical Theology and Church Life. He, he became somewhat well-known for targeting Joel Osteen at various points. He regularly raised the ire of those who ascribe to Reformed Theology, Radical Reformed Theology. He wrote a book, eventually mere churchianity, a continued critique of relying too much or subscribing too much to propping up the church as an institution at the expense of genuine faith practices. He was an appreciator of spiritual practices. He was a lover of Thomas Merton, and it's because of him that I eventually developed my own appreciation for Merton's writings. He was prolific and thoughtful, and it was amazing how long every blog entry of his was. Spencer, sadly, died of brain cancer. In 2008. But his influence. And my appreciation for him. Continues on. My top five. Favorite blogs all time. Number two. MGo blog. Yes. A Michigan. Sports blog. The most. One of the most. If not the most. Thoughtful and in-depth and analytic Michigan sports blog in existence. Its creator and founder and owner, Brian Cook, and his compatriots, his staff, they get into deep dives about the ins and outs of the various sports teams on Michigan's campus. And if that wasn't enough, Cook's writing itself is so unique. He calls David Foster Wallace one of his top influences. And you can see that at work in his game recaps, in his season previews, in his musings about what various teams are or the institution as a whole are going through. I call Cook. A big writing influence. For myself. As well. And now. Number one. Number one. For pragmatic purposes mainly. But maybe it could be. Listed at number one. Anyway. That being. Real live preacher. Written. Written by Gordon Atkinson. At the time that this blog was in existence, Gordon was a Baptist preacher. And this blog began anonymously so that he could be more honest with his writing. And he wrote about the the ups and downs of church life as well the ups and downs of ministry the ups and downs of his own faith struggles and again he strove to be as honest and raw as he could eventually he was discovered his identity was revealed but he continued he continued to write maybe maybe not as honestly but certainly very honestly, still, his writing eventually gained enough of a following that he was able to write a book of the same name, reallifepreacher dot com, a collection of his greatest blog hits. He eventually wrote, a couple follow-ups, including another collection of his greatest blog hits called Turtles All the Way Down. Gordon eventually left the pastorate. He eventually left, he left at the same time ministry altogether. He didn't move churches, he just decided he was done with this particular work. And his time writing as real life preacher ended soon thereafter he's popped up from time to time in new online spaces and incarnations with new subjects to talk about nevertheless i continue to appreciate him as yet another big influence he and cook and Michael Spencer are probably my top three blogging influences. So yes, those three being one, two, and three was intentional. Around the time that Atkinson published his first collection of blog posts, I very quickly got the idea that maybe I could someday do the same thing. I would certainly have to up my writing game first. I would certainly have to devote more energy and more creativity and, and, and more devotion to this particular craft, much like Michael Spencer did. And I like to think that over time, it, it took me a while, but over time I eventually reached... ...a point where maybe my stuff could be considered book collection worthy. But it would take a number of years. Basically around 18 years. For my own book collection of greatest hits to come to fruition... ...in the form of No Perfect Time... Brief Essays on Life and Faith. I, have, I initially gave it, I published it as an electronic book only because that's what Smashwords does. And I followed that up not too long after, the same year actually, with Four Weeks Reflections for Advent, a collection of blog posts that specifically were all about the Advent and Christmas seasons also in ebook form only but much like with atkinson's books my being able to hold his books in my hand i i still longed to have that experience with these ebooks as well and finally i was able to just the other week actually finally published through another platform where i could control the process myself where i could could undertake the process from beginning to end both these books no perfect time and four weeks exist in paperback form I have held them in my hand I am looking at them as I speak it's been a long process toward this point that started on January 6th 2005 and now finally that point is here welcome to the coffeehouse contemplative podcast Episode is not really about either of these books per se. I'm not gonna go into the content of either one of them or or read through either through from either one of them because I've actually done that already. You can go back and you can find the episodes where I I do that. They're basically book I call them book readings on demand. And so I'll even pop them in the, in the notes for this episode. What I really want to talk about is the process. The process by which these came to exist, which I've also talked about and I've written about on my current blog before, but I think there, there is still something that, that I clearly feel I, I want to say about this, uh, about my experience publishing these. Of course it, it's been a very different experience than the books that came before them. They, I went the traditional route with those. I, I put together a proposal that detailed what the book would be about, and I had to come up with a chapter list, and this is what each chapter is going to cover, and I had to come up with, well, this is going to be my target audience, and and here are some books that are kind of like it, but this is the way that this one will be unique and different and maybe even better and i had to i had to put all of that together and then of course i had to write a sample chapter most traditional publishers want to 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 see a sample chapter or two to get an idea of your your style of writing but also to to get a sense of what the book is eventually going to be like when it is completed and i did all of that and i do enjoy that process. I find that process exciting and stimulating, and I'm certainly going to do it again, and I've done it again, actually, but that's for another episode at another time. But for these, I did not get the sense that any traditional publisher was going to bite on what I wanted to do. You need an audience the size of Gordon Atkinson's in his heyday to to get something like this approved. And, and so I, I decided, well, let's look at other options. I had actually contributed years ago to a book published through Smashwords. It was it was a, a devotional of some kind, and I greatly enjoyed that process. and It was interesting to me the the end result to to see it as it was when it was finished, of course, as an electronic book rather than as a any kind of paper bound book and that kind of stuck with me something about that experience just stayed with me for years and years afterward and and i re- that experience came to mind again as i was starting to think well my my first blog at which i wrote for so long it's it's winding down it needs to be done but i would really like some of these to live on. I'd really like to finally do the Gordon Atkinson thing. I still, I really would finally like to do the real live preacher thing that I've long dreamt of doing. And so I went back to Smashwords. And I decided this is fine this is good enough. This is a good platform. Smashwords distributes to some pretty big non-Amazon places, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, a few others. And so I decided, you know, we're doing this. We are going to do this. I am going to fulfill this little dream of mine. And so in March of 2022 it did it came to fruition and i enjoyed that process from beginning to end so much the the diy aspect of it it turned out was just as exciting just as stimulating as putting together the proposal and and going through all of that That i decided hey let's go ahead and let's do it again and so along came the advent book that following fall and I enjoyed it, the process the second time as much as I did the first. It was a little shorter, so in some ways it was a little easier. I, I knew what I was doing a bit more this time. So, yeah, it was good. It was enjoyable yet again. And so I now had these two ebooks, these two collections, ebooks being just as valid as paper books. But of course, as I mentioned earlier, I really wanted to hold these in my hand still. I, I, I was glad that they existed at all, but to, to be able, the, the tactile experience, and I enjoy eBooks, let's, let's be clear about that. Have I been clear enough about that? I'd still like to hold these creations of mine in my hands, I'd like to be able to touch them. I'd like to be able to feel their weight. And so I went back to see what could be done about this. Fortunately, Smashwords is combining or has combined with another service known as draft to digital which does provide the option, the opportunity of producing paperback versions of one's books. And I immediately decided this, this is going to finally happen. Now here's where it gets uniquely interesting for me. As I was filling out all of the information on the site about my book, and that uploading the manuscripts and getting everything in order there was this one line that asked well what what's going to be the publisher name the default is just going to be like the author's name that that's what usually happens if, if you don't have something else and at first I was like, it's fine. I could just stick my name in there. I, I don't, I don't mind. But the more I thought about it, the more I decided, you know, why can't I have my own little imprint? Why can't I just make this for myself? What's stopping me? What, 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 is, the, what is the source of my hesitation here? Indie artists, they, they come up with their own labels. And indie movies, they, they come up with their own companies, their their own production or distribution companies. So why can't little old me have his own little writing and publishing imprint? And so I started to think about some names. And th- this took a little bit because I wanted to make sure that whatever name I came up with didn't share a name with something that already existed, no matter what it was. So I actually struck out a few times. The, 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 t- the first name that I came up with, it's, it's the name of a crypto company. And God forbid I share anything with a crypto company. The second name I came up, it's already the name of a brewery more respect respect to breweries that so okay that's fine the third name I came up with is is the name of a type of cannabis so yeah probably not that one either the fourth name I came up with though that one worked that one was okay there was no nothing else that I could find that would say that this was some kind of a duplicate or my attempt to to steal somebody else's name. Now, I have to preface this with a tiny story and it's a story that I actually tell in the Advent book. When I was in seminary, I had a pine-scented candle and most nights, especially that first semester, but really probably most of the first year, I would light that candle. And it would fill the room with a very unique pine fragrance. And I would just use it to reflect on my experience so far. I would use it to calm myself down and i have never found another candle that smells exactly like this one there are certainly other pine candles out there but nothing like this one i can stick my nose in this candle it doesn't i can't light it anymore but i i have it i'm looking at it right now as i'm talking and i can stick my nose in the middle of it and i can take a big whiff and i am immediately transported right back to my little seminary apartment. And, as a result, these two books have been published by Pine Candle Books. That's the story behind it. That's the reason that if you turn to the one of the first pages in each of these, it says, Pine Candle Books. I... I filed for a Doing Business As certificate, and I have it in hand. Not literally at the moment, but I do have it. And so Pine Candle Books, my own little publishing imprint, was born. the real point of all of this this long winding story this long winding recap and explanation one of it is part of it is is certainly to uh, once again let you know that these two books are now out in paperback versions and certainly if you are interested they are available in many popular Outlets that that sell books certain certainly that is part of it, but what I also want to do what I what the other purpose of this episode is to celebrate and even maybe for some of you give permission to be freely creative. It's a celebration of creative freedom. And there there was something about seeing pine candle books on the listings for these books. There's something about seeing it on the first pages of them that that has brought a sense of liberation and a sense of possibility. Once again, I like the book querying process, the traditional process. I do not mind putting together the, the proposals and writing sample chapters and then eventually getting down to writing the rest of the book and being part of the editing and, and all of that stuff. I, I have enjoyed that process every single time that I have gone through it. But there is something about this process of doing things on my own, of putting everything together, and, and then... Giving it a certain legitimacy with this imprint that to me, opens up a whole new realm of possibility. those those book ideas that maybe i I haven't I, i've I've hesitated about trying to pitch because I'm not sure if anybody will consider them, sellable enough, palatable enough for larger audiences that that aren't considered mainstream enough to, to make any kind of money off of them, well, now I have a way of pursuing those ideas without having to worry about that, without having to worry about the will it sell idea or or the trying to trying to alter the idea enough so that somebody will pick it up but maybe it's not really what the original vision was there's a certain power in that there's a, a certain excitement in that that the traditional process can sometimes lack and so I have found this for myself. And it may be that you need to hear somebody give you permission to do the same. Maybe it's not books. Maybe it's it's something else. It could be any number of things that that you have always been hesitant to pursue in in any kind of more serious way because some gatekeeper somewhere maybe won't consider it palatable won't consider it sale worthy but you don't that's not the only option doing it yourself is totally an option making your own connections making your own inroads making your your own name there is something about that that can be just as rewarding just as life-giving maybe even more so than the traditional processes of whatever field you are interested in could bring and so this is this is me saying I finally took this leap for myself. And if you are standing at the edge, and you are looking down, and you are wondering because it just seems so scary, where you're so hesitant because you're not sure if taking the plunge yourself is going to work out, you won't know. Until you try, you won't know until you jump. And there can be so much unseen potential and possibility that you won't be able to realize until you. Thank you for listening to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including all my books at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media. Jeffrey A Nelson on Facebook, and I'm at Bold Roast Rev on Instagram and elsewhere. Have a great week.